Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Revelation chapter 8, and verse number 1, the Word of God says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. This is, in our English Bibles, a new chapter, uh, chapter 8, and yet it records the seventh of seven seals. The previous seals, of course, being recorded in chapters 6 and 7. I think the fact that those who first put our English Bible into a versified form, I think the fact they put that into a new chapter indicates something of the debate regarding the connection of this verse with what precedes or with what follows. Some see it connecting uh, with the previous chapters, others seeing it as the opening of a new section. And hence it finds itself as the first verse of chapter 8, and not the 18th verse of chapter 7. Is this a new cycle? Well, some suggest that. They suggest the seventh seal is like the seven angels with the seven trumpets. And so the end of the seventh seal opens up this new phase, this new cycle of visions uh, with the angels and the seven trumpets that will sound. And so, in essence, the seventh seal, therefore, is the seven trumpets. And then that works out through the cycle. Because remember that in Revelation we do see these repetitive cycles of various visions, seeing the same things from different perspectives all the way up to Christ's return. And we're seeing cycles, visions. Now, another way to see this is to see the seventh seal as the final seal of the previous cycle, namely the seven seals that we saw, I suppose, going back to chapter 5, and Christ has given the scroll, the book, and he's the power to open, to unloose the seals thereof. And so therefore you come to chapter 8, and you see the seventh seal as the finality of that cycle of visions. I should say uh, that when you read the various writers on this, uh, they essentially all come to the same sort of conclusions, uh, though they see the verse in different directions. I'll just give my own, my own assessment. I think the most natural reading is to see the seventh seal as the conclusion of the seven seals. It's the end of this cycle of seven seals, and so therefore I do believe, hence I'm preaching it tonight, I believe it belongs with the previous chapters and not with what follows, although they're not unconnected. And so the text tells us, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Silence. And it is this subject of the heavenly silence that I want to uh, consider tonight as we draw this study in Revelation to a close, at least for now. And there are some things just to, to notice. First of all, please note this silence in the context of noise. So when you see this or hear about this silence in verse 1 of chapter 8, you should understand it in the light of the noise that precedes. Let me go back to chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 and the verse number 10. 
and tells us of those who were under the altar. They were slain for the word of God. And it says there, chapter 6, verse number 10, and they cried with a loud voice. Here's noise. Here's noise as those here in heaven, they've been martyred for the word of God. And they're saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge your blood on them that dwell on the earth? That's the noise of the martyrs. Then you go to chapter 6 and the verse number 12, and we read about the sixth seal, and I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Earthquakes are not silent phenomena. Uh, this is a noisy phenomena. It's uh, this noise of the earthquake here also. More noise in the unloosing of these seals. And then you have chapter 16, or chapter 6 and the verse 16. Here's the multitudes of those who are fearful of the wrath of the Lamb. These are the unbelieving multitude. And they say to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth in the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. This company coming together. Listen to the numbers. Verse 15. Kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, all of their voices in unison saying, Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. And you get this idea of noise again. So you've got the martyrs, you've got the earthquake, you've got this unbelieving company. And then, of course, chapter 7, verse number 10, you have the chorus of the redeemed. A multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds and people, they stand before the throne. And what do they do? Verse number 10, and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, who sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And so in the previous two chapters, you're confronted with noise. Noise. And the scenes of judgment and salvation are then followed by this interlude of silence. Verse 1 of chapter 8, He opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Here, I think what this seventh seal indicates is the completion of the cycle that has just come to pass, seven being that number of completion. And so what you're seeing here is all of the events in the previous chapters, as Christ has unloosed the scroll, as the events of history have unrolled and they've been seen, they've taken place, now it's finished. And the seventh seal indicating completion is the response of heaven to all that has transpired. All the seals, trouble in the church, persecution, judgment, disease, death, all of those things, they've all been fulfilled. The seventh seal is opened. Time has now come to an end. Eternity is ushered in. And there is this time of silence in heaven. It's not continual. We're told it's a short time. It is about the space of half an hour. And so that's silence in the context of noise, which I think hints to us again that the thought of this silence is at the completion of all that has transpired in the unloosing of the previous six seals. Silence, the response of heaven. But what does that silence indicate? Well, in the second place, we should therefore see silence in the context of the Bible. Silence in the context particularly of the Old Testament. I began to work on this text this week and was conscious I was coming to uh, what was a tricky little text. And what struck me in, in the various readings that I, I did was the consistency of the various commentators 
Even though they took different directions as to the place of this seventh seal, there was a tremendous consistency. You see, there is uh, an understanding that must govern our studies of Revelation. And that is that the symbols of Revelation are not new. We're not seeing new things. We're seeing Old Testament images being unpacked again in a new set of visions given to the Apostle John. And so therefore, to understand the symbols of Revelation, you must always go back to the Old Testament. Dig back and try to see what does the Old Testament suggest regarding these particular symbols. And so the commentators are united in the use of the same Old Testament references. Bill, the commentator, says this, The key to the significance of the silence must lie in the connotation that it has in the Old Testament and in Jewish writings. So let's begin by going back to Isaiah chapter 23. Isaiah 23, and we'll see again one of these Old Testament references to the idea of silence. Of course, remember, we read through Isaiah, we came to these various oracles, these burdens that were issued to various ungodly nations, ungodly cities. Here we have the burden of Tyre, verse 1, Hire ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house nor entering in from the land of Shittim, it is revealed to them. And then it says, Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle. Thou whom the merchants of Zidon that pass over the sea have replenished. Now, all I'm asking you to look at is that opening phrase, be still. It is the term for silence. It indicates the Lord's, the prophet's injunction to ungodly people as to how they ought to respond in the face of God's judgment. There is to be no boasting, no pride. Again, these places, they were known for their pride, for their arrogance. There is to be no boasting, no pride, no defense. In the face of God's judgment, there is to be the silence of mourning. And so be still. Again, it is translated elsewhere with the word be silent. That's Isaiah 23. And go across uh, quite a bit in your Old Testament. Go through most of the minor prophets towards the end. Then you come to Habakkuk or Habakkuk. You'll get to Habakkuk chapter 2. Again, again, a weighty prophecy. And again, Habakkuk's consideration is, well, how can God judge his people with a people that are more wicked than his people are? So that's the issue. That's the contention that Habakkuk has. And so it's dealing with matters of judgment. And in the light of that, in the light of Habakkuk's struggles and wrestlings, Habakkuk 2 verse 20 says this, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Here we see the Lord's injunction to what is a fitting response to God's majesty. In light of the manifestation of God in his temple, the appropriate response the silence, awe, reverence involved here is the idea of being subject to the Lord's provincial government. You come with reverence. Again, you are not come with an argument. There's spirit to God. You ought not to come to God wrestling with God's purposes. He, he does all things well. He, he knows what he's doing. And therefore, uh, the word of God tells the earth, keep silence before God as he sits again on his throne, and in particular on his throne of judgment. 
judging the nations, judging Israel, judging Babylon. And then across a book in your Bible, after Habakkuk comes Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1 and the verse number 7. Here again, a very similar, a very similar terminology. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. In the, in the context, again, these are words of judgment warnings through Zephaniah. In verse 2, I will utterly consume all things from off the land. There's a warning of judgment again. Verse number 4 and 5, cutting off the remnant of Baal from this place. These are words of judgment. The day of the Lord has come to pass. It's at hand. Again, the term that's used here, verse number 7, and that opening phrase, hold thy peace, can be translated. It's one word in the original. It has that sense of hush. You know, saying, if you like, to a, a rebellious child, you know, they're fighting against their parents, you hush. Say no more. No, don't speak in rebellion against uh, the word of the authority here. And here is the Lord saying to the people, hold thy peace. At the presence of the Lord God, be silent. Again, the sense of awe and reverence included. But again, note the context of judgment. We're seeing this, Isaiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, the sense of judgment and being still in the presence of God. No objection, no rebellion. One last reference, and that's over a couple of books, to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 2 and the verse number 13. And here we find ourselves in another scene of judgment. Verse 8 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. And it's a, it's a time of judgment upon the nations that have harmed the Lord's people. And so they are to sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, and the context of judgment against the enemies of God and blessing of the Lord's people, verse 13 says, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Here's what's happening. When God arises to judge the nations, when God arises in judgment, the right response is silence. Silence and awe. And so you see the consistency here of his imagery. These four samples, Isaiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, these four samples all show us that it is the will of God in response to displays of God's judgment that those who see those displays are silent in the face of God's power. So when you're confronted with the power of God and the presence of God, especially in relationship to judgment, the right response is silence. Hence, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. After all that has transpired, the wrath of the Lamb has been revealed. The spiritual, the sanctified, the sinless response in heaven is to be silenced in the presence of God. The sense of judgment, by the way, is why some people see it going forward in the rest of chapter 8 and 9, which, of course, do reveal various forms of God's judgment. But it's also seen, I believe, as a response. 
They've seen the judgment of God. They've seen the salvation of God. Judgment upon the wicked. The gathering of the righteous. And heaven falls silent. About the space of half an hour. So that's this silence, if you like, in the context of the noise that precedes, in the context of the Bible, the Old Testament, and finally, just briefly again, silence. Uh, I want to ask this question. Silence in the context of today. What does this speak to us tonight? How is this relevant to us this evening? I've said to you, this looks ahead to the completion of the scroll, the unfurling of the last of the scroll. The seventh seal is unloosed, completion, and therefore this is a future prospect, not a present. So therefore, you might say, we can't apply this now, we can't apply this in any way that we should be silent now. Yet, as an heavenly act, it is a display of perfect righteousness. And so what you're seeing here is a sinless display that reflects the will of God in the Old Testament and now is being fulfilled at the end of all things. And we're seeing this as a, it's a mark of righteousness. And so therefore, we can learn princes of righteousness from this picture, from the symbol here. We can learn things that ought to govern our lives today. Two very simple things as you consider the cultivation of a heart of silence. You ought to cultivate a heart of silence that knows what it is to awe, to have awe in the presence of God. To understand that when you're confronted by the majesty of God, the right response of heart is awe. When you contemplate the majesty of God in judgment and in salvation in the scriptures, the silence reflects the heart, the heart that is full of awe for God. Remember again in Revelation we are looking at symbols. So the silence here is a symbol that's reflecting the heart of those in heaven. The entire company of heaven, if you like, involved in this scene. And so it's reflecting, if it is reflecting the heart, then it is a heart that has awe and reverence and wonder at God's power, justice and grace. And we see this. Do you turn back, please, to the 46th Psalm? The 46th Psalm. I'm going to show you here that the concept of silence is not just reserved for the end of the age, but has application even in our own private devotional lives today, tonight. And the 46th Psalm begins, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then you go down to the verse number 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Now the, the form that's used of the verb for be still here is a, it's a, it's a rarer form, but it has this sense of silence again. Of being silent. And recognizing that though this world is full of war and trouble. You can back at verse number 9, he makes wars to cease. Though this world is full of turmoil, the people of God can know silence of heart, resting in the knowledge that the Lord God will reign forever and ever and forever. That he will be exalted among the heathen. That though at times it seems that evil is holding sway in the world, we have the assurance in our souls we can be silent in God's presence because we understand that God will bring all things to pass in his perfect will. Be still and know that I am God. 
How often the Lord's people go to prayer and their hearts are, are raging. They're like the seas in the midst of a fierce storm and their hearts are bubbling up in turmoil. They're in all manner of anxieties and distress and you, you come to this verse, be still, be still, be silent. Settle your heart in the confident knowledge of the glory and the excellency of God. That's what happens when the sanctified company behold, they behold God in the final day, they, they have the grace to be still. What about the, the, the Psalm 62? And you'll see a similar instance here, the Psalm 62. And the verse number one. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. For him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now here again, you have an instance of silence in the presence of God. The silence that comes in awe of God's majesty and in confidence of God's glory and grace. If you have a marginal version of the authorized version, you will see that in verse number one, it says beside the word waiteth, it has the idea of is silent. Truly my soul is silent on God's. A sense of awe in the presence of God, confidently waiting on God to be his rock and his salvation and his defense. One last reference, and that is the Psalm 4. In the Psalm 4, in the verse number 4, Psalm 4, verse 4 says this, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Uh, you might remember that back when we looked at Isaiah 23 and we saw those two words, be still. It is a translation of the word for silence and the same word is used here in Psalm 4. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still and note how that corresponds with standing in awe with God. But the answer to your anxieties, the answer to your troubles is not to see how they're resolved, but it is to see the glory and majesty of God. It's to stand back and understand the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the people be silent. That's a thought here, and the psalmist is, is applying that principle that the way to stillness in your soul is to consider more and more of the glory and sovereignty of God. That's how you get to the point where you're silent and still. It is when you behold the glory of God, and that's what happened in the seventh seal. They behold the glory of God, and they're silent. We can behold the glory of God in part now and have that same result in silence. A blessed frame. Oh, may God help us even to practice the reality of silence in our devotional lives with God. One writer says this, Could it be there is a connection between our society's continual immersion of itself in music, talking and noise, and its utter lack of reverence for God? Earbuds are a new thing. But the idea of a Walkman is not that new now. But the idea of people walking about with music or words in their ears continually is part of a desire they do not want any silence. But we know that 
silence and meditating upon the things of God can be a blessing to our souls. When we take time to meditate upon the glory of God. So there is this concept today of awe, but also of acceptance. Again, we've seen, we've seen through the Old Testament references to silence that they occur particularly in connection with God's justice. And the idea of having no argument with God, no objection, that is the purpose of God. That's the desire, if you like, of the, of the believer. And the righteous man says, Psalms 31, let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. The law of God is given that every mouth may be stopped, isn't it? Silence. You know, we, we see the judgment of God and we are silent. It is proper that in the day of judgment the wicked have no words in that day, no defense, no excuse. You will have no excuse. You'll have nothing to say. Oh, what a wicked thing it is when the ungodly say, wait till I see God in that day. I'll have something to say to God. No, they won't. Silence. That's what will happen in that day. They'll know nothing but silence. But so it also here is for the righteous in heaven. When they contemplate the justice of God, even the judgment of the ungodly, they will not argue with God. They will not debate His purpose and His plans. Untold millions face the wrath of the Lamb and are cast into the deepest hell. And heaven is silent, consenting, accepting and agreeing with the justice of God even over the judgment of the ungodly. And so if that is so, how much so should it be in our lives that we will not complain and gripe against God? He does all things well. If he acts in perfect justice and righteousness and damning souls to hell, then he does all things well in our lives. This is a good place to finish our studies. In these chapters of Revelation, we've come across a troubled church, persecuted, struggling to hold on to the truth. But Christ is among his churches, and he sits on the throne. He's unloosing the seals in his perfect time, doing all things according to his perfect will. And he will make no mistakes. And therefore, we have no right to argue and debate and contend with God. Whenever the multitude, when the last seal is open, they fall silent. And may we learn not to grumble and complain against God today. He does all things well. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.